السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما رسالة الشريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد الحمد لله we find ourselves once again here in the blessed month of Ramadan may Allah سبحانه وتعالى make it a month full of blessings for us may he may make it a month of خير May Allah alleviate the sufferings of the Muslims. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to increase in our ibadah and grant us taqarrub and closeness to Him. Inshallah, this Ramadan, our series will be based on a book by Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah. The name of the book is Kitab Al-Tazkirah. Al-Tazkirah means the reminder. So this is the name of the book, Al-Tazkirah. Fi ahwal al-mawta wa umuri al-akhirah. Regarding the affairs of the dead and the events of the hereafter what's going to happen when you die and after you die what stages are going to come how is it going to be so this is what we're going to be discussing this year inshallah and before we start i'm just going to highlight some of the reasons why we're having this particular discussion the first thing is the most powerful thing about this series that we're going to have this year is you're going to be able to visualize everything we discuss this is the most powerful thing about this particular series this year that everything we speak about and discuss you're going to be able to visualize and actually imagine this happening number one the second thing is that the Quran will become sub much more alive for you the Quran will become this is Shahrul Quran, month of the Quran. You know, sometimes in Tarawi, you're standing in Tarawi and you're just there thinking, third rakat, fourth rakat, how many, you're counting how many rakat. And the guy next to you, he's crying. Okay, tears are coming out. The person next to you is crying. And you're thinking, how long is Ayyam going to take? What's the difference? What's happening to this person? Why is this person crying? Because the Imam is reading, Baji Ayyama Idim Bijahanna. The Quran Imam is This person is not here anymore. He's visualizing that Jahannam is being dragged by the Malaika. And where they're just standing there and just counting their guard. So the, the benefit of this muhadara and this dars of this particular kitab is the Quran will become alive for you. We read Quran, but we just flow through it. Quran will be so much more real for you once we understand the depictions of the, because Allah has painted a very clear Allah wants us to do this he's describing in a lot of detail the Akhirah number two number three the third thing is our first task is to learn if we don't know what's going to happen in the hereafter how can we visualize it if I don't know how can I imagine it so the first task is we need to learn what is going to happen, what will happen first, what will happen second, what will happen third, what will happen fourth. Otherwise we won't be able to envision it. And the more we learn, we can think about it regularly. 
The fourth thing is, the example of this dars is like the Prophet ﷺ when he climbed on the Mount of Safa. Everybody knows the story. The Prophet ﷺ in the beginning of da'wah, he climbed to the Mount of Safa. And he called all the people, Ya Sabaha, Ya Sabaha. He called all of the tribes. And he said, come, come, come quickly. Danger, danger, danger. All the, what did he say? He said to the people, if I tell you on the other side of the mountain, is an enemy coming to attack you, would you believe me? What did the people say? Of course. Why? Because he could see. Could they see? No. And he was a trustworthy one. This is the same thing. This is the same thing. This life is like a mountain. And on the other side of the mountain is the Akhirah. We haven't seen it. The Prophet saw it. So he's telling us that on the other side of the mountain, meaning on the other side of this Hayat, a dunyawi life, there is another life which we call the Akhirah. So we need to, a time is going to come where every single one of us, we're going to cross that mountain. And when we get to the top, we're going to see another life on the other side. And the fifth benefit is this discussion or this series is extremely reformative. If you want to change yourself, there's nothing better than this. If you want change, if you want tazkiyah, if you want reformation, if you want to uplift your spirituality, there is nothing better than remembering the hereafter. The most effective thing for reformation is discussing the hereafter. Now, before we commence with the actual book, I'm going to share with you a hadith just to give you an idea. What, is, what does it mean when somebody learns and visualizes the Akhirah? In Medina Munawwara, there was once a Sahabi. His name is Hadith ibn Malik. The Prophet once meets Hadith ibn Malik in Medina and he asks him, Kayfa asbahta ya Hadith or ya Haritha? One of the two. How, how have you woke up? How are you today? Do you know what he says? He said, Asbahtu mu'minan haqqa. I have woken up today as a true believer. Do you know what that's, do you know what, what that's equivalent to? It's equivalent to Ronaldo Messi meeting you. And he asks you, how are you doing? How do you feel today? And you say, I feel like the best footballer. I'm the GOAT. It's me. Or it's like your wife asks you in the morning, how are you feeling? And you say, I'm the master chef today. You don't even know how to make eggs. You struggle to make toast. Even for tea, you get it wrong. But you say to her, or to your mom, if you're not married, I feel like master chef. I can cook any dish. So the Prophet the Prophet is the person of the greatest Iman. Sahabi is saying, Asbahtu mu'minan haqqa. So the Prophet what did he say to him? Every time you say something, you have to give proof. What's your proof? What you've just said now, what's the proof? Are you just saying? Are you just bluffing? Or is there any haqiqah? Is there any truth? What's the evidence? Prove it. Back your claim. What did he say? Now listen to this very carefully. He says, Azabat nafsi anid dunya. Asbahtu azabat nafsi anid dunya. He said, this morning when I woke up, my nafs, it's like he wants to run away from the world. It's detached from the world. Asharatu layli wa nahari. 
He says, I spend my day fasting, hungry and thirsty. And I spend my night awake. I don't sleep while he's praying. I'm walking in Medina, but it's as if I can see the Arsh of Allah, it's ready for account of the people. It's as if I can see the people of Jannah and they're meeting each other. In Jannah, people are going to yatazawarun. They're going to go and meet each other. They won't just stay in their own places. They'll come and meet each other. He says, I feel as if I can see this. Could he actually see? No, he's imagining. He's doing a visualization. How did he do it? And then he said, and it was two-sided, not just one side. Then he said, And it's as if I can hear the screaming of the people of Hellfire. When we walk around the world, we see people doing X, Y, and Z. And we probably think, I wish I had that car. I wish I had that kind of lifestyle. He's saying, when I'm walking around in Medina Munawwara, it's as if I can hear the screaming of the people of Jahannam. Now, what did the Prophet say? This person is walking in Medina, but he's fully focused on the Akhirah. Fully focused on the Akhirah. What did the Prophet say? Do you know if, if someone actually, somebody actually went to Ronaldo or Messi, or you turned up to your wife or your mom and you said you're a master chef and they said prove it. And you proved it. You showed some skills. And you proved it. You know, sometimes you ask someone and you say, you, you know, you're taking me for a ride. And they prove it to you. You know what you speak? You don't speak to them then. You speak in third person. You go to Check him out. This is what you say. Check, check this guy out. You don't, you don't even speak to that person because you're so amazed with what they've just said and they've proved you wrong. You say, check this guy out. The Prophet he didn't even speak to him. He spoke. He said, Rajulun. Rajulun. What did he say? Abdul. Nawwaral Nurul Imanu fi Qalbi. He said, Abdul. Nurul Imanu fi Qalbi. He said, this is a person. He didn't even speak to him directly anymore. He because this guy, this guy, he's got the nur of Iman in his heart. And then the Prophet said, In Arafta, Falzam. Because you know it now. You've clocked it. You've got it. Because now you need to hold on to it. You need to hold on to it. And what's going to happen with you guys, when you sit in this series, maybe not today, but in the future programs and the sessions that we have, there'll be times where you will feel as if you can see the people of Jannah. There'll be times when you're sitting in these sessions and you will remember and imagine as if you're leaving the world. It's as if you will imagine the people of Jahannam or you'll imagine the Mizan or the Sirat. That will happen. But then when you woke up from the, those doors and you get home, you'll forget it all. And that's okay. That's okay, that happens. But the key thing is we have to keep coming to these reminders. We have to keep doing it so that we remind ourselves so much that then we start to visualize it. It's not always going to be there. It'll come and go. But the more we remind ourselves, the more the reminders will help us to visualize it, inshallah. So this is what we want to try and achieve. And it's very spiritually reformative. This discussion is the most spiritually reformative discussion you can have. And it's extremely transformative. So we're gonna make a start inshallah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Now with every, every uh, mu'allif, author of the book, every great scholar, they always start off by being humble. And this is a, a trend we find 
So he says, Yaqul, this is he's saying himself, Yaqul al-abd al-faqir ila rabbi. Because this humble, poor servant is saying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's saying, I am poor, I am humble, I am nothing. And then he praises Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm not going to read everything because it's, uh, as you can see, uh, we have, mashallah, many pages and we can't go through all of it. So I'm going to select certain parts and this week we'll be doing today, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. And then from next week, inshallah, we'll do Monday, Wednesday, Friday until the end of Ramadan, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then on the other days, there'll be other sessions taking place. But this particular session, this week we've got today, tomorrow, Saturday, and then next week onwards, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, inshallah. The time is very short as well. So let's go, Bismillah. Allah is the one who created and gave life. And then he also decided that whoever he creates and gives life, he's also going to give them death as well. He's also decided that one day we will all be resurrected and we have to stand on the day of judgment. And Allah is going to separate. In the world, we all live together. On the day of Qiyamah, Allah is going to decide, okay, good people on one side, bad people on the other side. The day of separation. Inna al-fasli and then a final decision is going to be made. Final decision. The people of Jannah will go to Jannah. The people of Jahannam will go to Jahannam. May Allah protect us. The author is saying, Imam al-Qurtubi. Imam al-Qurtubi, what does Qurtubi sound like? Qurtubi. He was from 700 years ago. Qurtubi. Where is, where is Qurtubi? Cordoba. Cordoba in Andalusia. So this is a Spanish scholar, Spanish scholar, great scholar. He has tafsir, very famous tafsir al-Qurtubi. And this is also one of his books as well. So this, he, he was around 700 years ago. So he says that Now he's explaining why did he write this book? So that we can share in his intention as well. Two reasons he has said why he wrote this book and we will make this intention as well. Number one, he says, I thought I will write a comprehensive book. First thing, he says, I have done it so that it's a reminder for me. This is a reminder for me. And every time we listen to any discussion, this is the first intention. This is a reminder for me. A lot of times when we sit in talks, or even when we give talks, we think we're telling everybody else. Or we hear something, we think, hmm, I'm going to tell so-and-so. This sounds perfect for that person. So you're saying, no, first, it's me. I'm listening, I'm speaking for me. You're listening for yourself. He says, I wrote this, so it's a reminder for me. That's why I wrote the book. And second, he says, So he says, the second reason is When I die, I want to leave something behind so that when I'm in my qabr, I continue getting the reward. Do you think this is Salaqa Jariya for Imam Al-Qurtubi? How, how much ikhlas he had? 700 years ago, he wrote this book and we are reading it today. This is Salaqa Jariya. May Allah allow us to leave Sadaqa Jariya. This is a legacy. This is a legacy. So you see, make these two intentions every time you do something. 
that one is it's for your own benefit and secondly after I die I want to leave something behind what's this book about he says Ahwal al the condition of the dead the mention of the gathering on the day of judgment and paradise and hell and not just paradise and hell we say all Jannah specific what's exactly going to happen in Jannah you know when we speak to kids and speak about Jannah if they get specific they go they go uh, can we fly in Jannah okay and say yeah of course you can fly in can we have a chocolate fountain in Jannah can we have a house made of candy in Jannah be specific because if we're not specific then it doesn't do anything to us it's the specifics that's motivating when there's no specifics there's no detail it's not motivating anymore that's why the Quran and the Hadith goes into specifics. It describes Jannah. It describes Jahannam. Gives you detail. So these are the things. He says, I didn't just take this from my pocket. He says, I took whatever I've got from here, from the great Imams, I took it from their works. And the great and the trustworthy people of this Ummah, I took the knowledge in this book from those people. And he says, "Was kitab wa I named this book the book of the reminder. This is the reminder regarding the condition of the dead people and the experiences of the hereafter. This is the name of the book. So this is how he starts, and at the end he makes a dua: May Allah make it only for him. Say Amin." Make dua that Allah makes our get together here only for His pleasure. And we're doing this so that we can get close to His Rahmah. This is the 10 days of Rahmah. So, this is why we want to do this. Also, I ask you a question. In the Akhirah, will the Mizan, meaning the scales, come first or the Sirat, the bridge? Or is it the other way around? So, like this, there are so many stages. So it's important for us to know what will come first, what will come second, what will come third, what will come fourth. Will the hawl of the Prophet come first, or will the crossing of the bridge happen first? Which comes first, which comes next? By knowing this detail, we'll be much more involved with the Akhirah and much more focused on it, inshaAllah. When we're not specific, the motivation drops. Remember this. Motivation drops when we're not specific. If you want an item, Generally, it's the, the details that interest you. Maybe it's not the actual thing. It's one feature of it. It's there's a car, for example. There's a phone, for example. A type of clothing, for example. The whole thing might not be. It's just, it's just one thing, one particular detail about it. One feature. That's what interests you. That's what keeps you gripped. So the more details we know, the more specific we are, our motivation will continue, inshallah. So, we're going to start the book now. Now, Life is difficult, isn't it? Allah says we created the human being in a struggle. Life is difficult. There's so many difficulties. We've got financial problems, issues in our marriages. Then you've got the weather in this country, isn't it? Right? And then you've got health. Health is a big, big issue. Health conditions. And then age, as you get older, you start having issues as well. And then you've got problems with sometimes children become disobedient. 
and you've got people abandon you, sometimes your own family members speak against you. You've got all of these different, different issues happening. So when all of this happens and life becomes difficult and there's a struggle and you can get tired of life, can you get tired of life? Of course. So when a person gets tired of life, someone can then end up saying, do you know what? can't take it anymore. I don't want to live anymore. It's getting too difficult. It's too much for me. You know what? I'd rather not be here anymore. Just, I want to leave now. I've had enough. I've had enough in this world. So many things are happening and one after the other, I've just had enough. So Imam Al-Qurtubi, the first chapter he brings, Babu Nahi and Tamanni Al-Mawt, but Dua Bihi, Lidurri Nazala Fil Nali Wal Jasad. The first chapter is the chapter on the prohibition of wishing death. The prohibition of wishing death and making dua for death. Why? Because of a calamity in your wealth or in your health. So this is the first chapter he brings. That it's not allowed for a Muslim, no matter how difficult it gets, to wish for death if you have a problem in your health or in your wealth. And mainly these are the two main issues that we face. And he backs it up with the hadith. He brings the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He says the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, None of you should wish for death because of a calamity that befalls you. None of you should ever wish for death. I wish I was dead. You know what? I just want to die. This is because of a worldly calamity in your health, in your wealth. But the Prophet wasallam, he understood us very well. He wasn't a prophet who just preached from far. He lived amongst the people. He understood the people. So he said, If you have to, because he knows life is difficult. He went through a lot of tragedies himself from the moment he was born till he passed away. It was tragedy, 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 tragedy. It was musibah the whole way. He says, فَإِنْ كَانَ لَا If life gets difficult and you really can't take it anymore. He says, then say this. Don't say, I wish I was dead. Or I just want to die now. He's taught us something. What did he say? فَإِنْ كَانَ لَا مُتَمَنِّيًا فَلْيَقُلْ What should we say? اللَّهُمَّ أَحْيِنِي مَا كَانَتِ الْحَيَاةِ خَيْرًا لِي وَتَوَفَّنِي إِذَا كَانَتِ الْوَفَاةِ خَيْرًا لِي He's taught us a beautiful dua. He said, oh Allah, Keep me alive as long as living is good for me. And Allah grant me death when death is good for me. So as long as you think it's good for me to stay alive, Allah keep me alive. And when you think that it's not right for me, not when I think it's not right for me. I might think I can't take it anymore. No. Allah, when you think it's not right for me anymore in the world, Allah, you grant me death. And when you can come to peace with that, Internally, that's very powerful. Despite what we're going through, if we can come to terms with that, that we've made this pact and agreement with Allah, right? That, oh Allah, I'm telling you, as long as it's good for me to live, as long as you think, not me, as long as you think there's khair in me being alive, keep me alive. As long when you think it's good for me to live, Allah make me live. Isn't it a beautiful dua? Right? So, so basically what's being said is, do you know your life, value it. Life is a gift. Because when we treat it like this, then we're trying to say, each day is a gift. Sometimes we might not see it like that because of the issues that we're facing. But what, life is a gift. Uh, value it. 
Live your life, but don't get attached to it. This is what's being said. Don't get attached to your life. Don't get attached to it. Live your life, value your life, but don't get attached to it. And if you have to say something, this is the, this is the most you're allowed to say. If you have to, then you say this. Allah, as long as it's good for me to be alive, keep me alive. When you think it's good for me to live, then make me leave. Now Imam Al-Qurtubi explains this. Al-Ulama. The ulama says, So he says that death isn't the absence of something. This is a bit philosophical now. He's trying to explain death isn't the absence of something. Because Allah says in the Quran, what did he say? Allah created death and he created life. So life, uh, death isn't just the absence of life. Death is actually something. Okay, that's what he's saying. What is it? He says, he says, what is it? Death is breaking the link between the body and the soul. That's what death is. The separation of the body from the soul. This is what death is. This is mold. This is actually, death is actually a thing. It's not just the absence of life. Something's happening. What is it? In The breaking the link. At the moment, our body has got a link with our soul. When a person dies, the body will be there, but it's not nothing to do that my roof will have nothing to do with this body anymore. The body will be done away with. So this is what he says it is. And also death means moving from one house to another house. From the dar of dunya to the dar of akhirah. He says, death is the greatest calamity from amongst the calamities that we've faced in life. Because death itself, he's saying, is one of the greatest calamities. Now, you might, some of you think, and this, by the way, this is not one of them uh, uh, fancy discussions that we've been having, you know, about feeling good and everything. This is serious stuff. It's very deep stuff. It's stuff we don't like to talk about normally. It's a very hard topic even for me to discuss. Because when we speak about other things after you feel good about it, here it kind of shakes you up. But we need it. We need this more than any other topic. So he's saying, death is the, one of the greatest calamities. And you might think, you might get a bit offended or why are you calling it that? He says, ta'ala musibah. Allah called it musibah. Where? In the Quran. What did he say? فَأَصَابَتْكُمْ مُصِيبَةُ الْمَوْتِ when the great calamity of death comes and gets you. So the Quran is calling death a musibah. He says death is the greatest calamity. Now we understand death is a calamity. However, is there a calamity greater than death? He says yes. Our ulama they say, the greater calamity is to be heedless of death. 
thus greater than death itself. Death is a calamity, it's a huge calamity. But the greater calamity than death itself is to be heedless of it, wal-i'rad and dhikrihi, to turn away from its remembrance. Every time the mention of death comes or anything related, we kind of switch off, don't we? We don't get too, we, we don't allow ourselves to go too deep into those thoughts. We quickly brush it off. We turn away. We think about something else. Okay, even if, if you're scrolling on social media and it's something serious like that, quickly just, okay? He says, this, this, you know this? When we do this, this is i'rad anhu. Because that's the greatest reality and the greatest calamity. And we're running away from, we're turning on. He says, death is a calamity, but the greater calamity is to ignore it. To not think about it. To brush it under the carpet. Al-i'rad means to turn away from it. And to be ghafil from it. وَقِلَّةُ التَّفْكِيرِ فِيهِ And not thinking about it enough. He didn't say, he says, قِلَّةُ التَّفْكِيرِ Not thinking about it enough. Not thinking about death enough. وَالتَّرْكُ الْعَمَلْ لَهُ And not doing actions for the hereafter. Not doing enough actions. وَإِنَّ فِيهِ وَحْدَهُ لَعِبْرَةً This line is very powerful. وَإِنَّ فِيهِ وَحْدَهُ لَعِبْرَةً He says, you know, death alone will give you so many lessons. You don't need any other lessons. Just death itself will teach you so many lessons. Let me explain to you. Remember somebody close to you dies, right? For example, we're here, so there's a maggot, and people are here, right? And you, you've gone to the brother whose father's passed away, or it's, it's their brother who's passed away, their wife has passed away. When you go to them, I'm so, I'm so sorry, brother. It, do you know what? We change everything about us, the way we walk. When we're walking up to this brother, we walk slowly. That's not you normally. Normally you've got this walk on you, right? You're going up to the Even Your walk is different. Your movement is different. Your voice becomes different. You sit, even when you sit down, it's like you sit, you sit here all the time, but you sit in a different way. When you open the Quran and read, it's a different recital. When you're doing the Salah, it's different. You're a different person, isn't it? He says, وَإِنَّ فِيهِ وَحْدَهُ you don't, death in itself, this is why Sayyiduna Amirul Mu'mineen Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu had a ring. And on the ring he had inscribed, Kafa bil mawti wa'idha. Kafa bil mawti wa'idha. Says, death is enough as a warner, a preacher. You don't need any other discussion. It's enough. For who? Liman i'tabar. For the person who takes the lesson though. And there is a hadith, this not an authentic hadith, it's a weak in narration, but it's there been mentioned, so he's mentioned it here. He says, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, this is a da'if narration, but we mention it. لَوْ أَنَّ الْبَهَائِمْ تَعْلَمْ مِنَ الْمَوْتِ مَا تَعْلَمُونَ مَا أَكَلْتُمْ مِنْهَا سَمِينًا He says, if the animals knew about death, what you know, you would never eat an animal with fat on it. Meaning, if the animals had the knowledge of death that we have, we know because we've buried so many people with our own hands. We've given whistle, we've given kafal, in our, with our eyes we've seen so many people who are with us in COVID. They left and before that, so we've seen this. We know the knowledge of death. We've read so many ahadith and so many Quranic verses. We know what it is. 
Animals don't know that. He said, لو أن البهائم تعلم من الموت ما تعلمون ما أكلتم منهم منها سمينا. If they knew what you knew, you wouldn't ever eat a fat, healthy animal because they would just stop eating. Because they'd just be worried about the death. So this is Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah. Now, what did we say? Are we allowed to wish for death? No. We're not allowed to wish for death. No. Has there anyone in our Sharia wish for death before? Who? Bit, no, I'm talking about in, in, in the Quran and Sunnah. Do we find any example of somebody who has wished for death? Yes, sir. Help us. Sayyidatuna Maryam, alayhi salam. What did she say? Ya laytani mittu qabla hadha wa kuntu nasyan mansiya. Maryam, alayhi salam, when she realized that she's carrying a baby, what did she say? I wish I was dead. Now the question arises. Imam Al-Qurtubi just brings about saying, you are not allowed to wish for death. Sayyidatuna Maryam, who is the Sayyidatu Nisa'il Alameen, Quran is saying, she is wishing for death in the Quran. How do we match this up? So now Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he brings a chapter. Babu Jawaz Amanil Maut Wad Dua Bihi Khawfu Dhahab Al-Deen Do you remember why you weren't allowed to wish for death? What did we say? The prohibition of wishing for death for the person who faces a calamity where? In your health or wealth? Maryam Salam's calamity wasn't in her health or wealth. Where was her calamity? In the Deen. In the Deen. If you face a calamity in your deen, if you feel your deen is going to be compromised, Imam Al-Qurtubi now brings a chapter saying that there it is allowed. And he brings this because Maryam salam, she feared for her deen, people were going to accuse her regarding the baby. Or maybe she feared for their deen. She feared for their deen. What's going to happen to their deen if they accuse me? Uh, and he brings the ayah here Okay, let's move on to the next chapter The next chapter now is Regarding the remembrance of death Why is it good to remember death? What's the benefit of remembering death? What, why should we do it? So this is what he's going to speak about Babu dhikril maut wal isti'dad lahu so the mention of death, remembering it and making preparations for it. He brings a hadith. First of all, he brings a hadith. The Prophet said, Hadim and Hadim. Both have been mentioned. Hadim with a dal and Hadim with a dal. The Prophet says, Remember often the thing that shifts all paradigms. Remember often that thing that changes all perspectives. Now you might be telling me the hadith doesn't say that you made that up from yourself. Well, yes, that's not the translation of the hadith. The translation of the hadith is, remember that thing that breaks all types of pleasure, that cuts off all types of pleasure. But if you think about it, that is what death is, right? Death is the thing that shifts all paradigms. It changes all perspectives. 
It teaches you, makes you realize what matters and what doesn't matter. Do you know when you start thinking about death? You start realizing, you know what? This is not really that big of a deal. It teaches us what real, really matters and what doesn't matter. So this is the hadith of the Prophet mentioned often, remember often that thing which cuts off all types of pleasure. So the Sahaba said, Qulna ya Rasulallah, What is it that cuts off all pleasure? What should we remember often? And the Prophet said, Al-Mawt. There's a hadith of Ibn Majah, Ibn Umar says, I was sitting with the Messenger Ansar. One of the people of the Ansar came. فَسَلَّمَ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ He said, As-salamu alayka, Ya Rasulullah. So he said, Wa alaykum salam. And then he asked the question, Ya Rasulullah, أَيُّ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَفْضَلُ From all of the believers, who is the best? Who is the best believer? The Prophet said, أَحْسَنُهُمْ خُلُقًا The person who is the best, best character, akhlaq, is the best believer. فَأَيُّ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَكْيَسْ Who's the sharpest tool in the box? Who is the most clever? The most intelligent person, Ya Rasulullah. Who is the most intelligent person? And the Prophet said, Aktharuhum lil The one who remembers death the most is the cleverest person. How do we measure who's clever and who's not? And The one who prepares for the afterlife the most is the most intelligent person. Who's saying this? The Prophet Now he goes on to say, Now he's explaining, Imam Al-Qurtubi is now explaining when the Prophet said, remember often the thing that breaks all types of pleasure. He says, He said, this is so brief, so concise, yet so comprehensive. It's enough. He's saying this is so brief, but it's so deep. Like this is enough for thousands of lectures. One, this is enough, he's saying. فَإِنَّ مَنْ ذَكَرَ الْمَوْتْ حَقِيقَةَ ذِكْرِهِ نَغَضَ عَلَيْهِ لَدَّتَهُ الْحَاضِرَةِ the benefit, he's now mentioning the benefit, the fawaid of dhikrul maut. The person who remembers death often. Do you know what it does to you? It spoils your present moment. Do you know the pleasures that we're going through, the comfort, the luxury. He says one thing that's going to happen is if you remember death, it's going to spoil a little bit the pleasant moment. No one says, oh, don't be a killjoy. That's what it'll do. It'll, it will kind of, oh, okay. And you'll just, it, this is the first effect it'll have on you. And it'll stop you from making big ambitions for the future. You won't just keep planning and planning, expecting yourself to live till you're 200 years old. Now this is where he comes to the crux. He says the problem with, uh, he's talking 700 years ago. Imagine he saw us now, 700 years ago, He's saying to the people then, He says the nafs is stuck. Our nafs is stuck. And the hearts have become negligent. Because nowadays, you need, we need lengthy lectures. 
This is my reference. He, this is Imam Al-Qurtubi saying that today it's not enough just to say, he says before for the Sahaba, it was enough you said, Kullu nafsin maut, and akthiru that was enough for the Sahaba. That was enough because their hearts were clean. Their nufus were muzakka, they were purified. So when the Prophet said, remember death, that was enough. But because our hearts have become so negligent, our nafs is stuck and so attached to this life, he says, we need a whole explanation. And this is why he wrote this book. Because otherwise the Quran and the Sunnah is enough. But he goes, in this day and age, we need more. And he's saying this 700 years ago. What does Weekul Al-Fab? He says, we, we can't just suffice on the words. We need so many different styles and different words and different ways. And this is why you have the ulama nowadays. They're trying to explain in so many different styles, in so many different words. He's saying this 700 years ago. How much more do we need it now? He says otherwise, Otherwise, this hadith and this ayah of the Quran is enough. It would have been enough. But as we know, today this is not enough for us. Now, he says, Now when we understand this, when you start to understand that we're going to die, we're going to leave, the first realization it's going to give to you is you and I are going to separate from everyone and everything we love. And you know separation is not easy in the world, is it? A lot of people face separation, separation anxiety. And there's a whole discussion about your attachment type, who's got a secure attachment, whose attachment isn't secure. And based on that, if someone's had an, a bringing and they've got a secure attachment with the parents, when the parents do detach themselves from the child, the child is okay. Because the child knows that my mom, my dad's gone, but they're gonna come back because they've always come back. But if somebody's had a traumatic upbringing, they don't have a secure attachment. It's problematic. Death is going to be a total separation. Not leaving your mom or dad for one day or two days. Not leaving your family behind for one week or one month. MashaAllah, our shuyukh have come from, you know, they've left their families for maybe one month, for half a month. But they know they're going to go back. We travel as well. And sometimes it's difficult leaving the kids behind, leaving the family behind. Okay, leaving your parents behind. But you know you're going to come back. Sometimes he said long, but you know, but when you realize that you know, death is going to be the ultimate separation, that's what it is, the ultimate separation. We will separate from everyone, everything in this world. You go alone. And then it's as if you started your journey and your mind and your focus is then going towards the Akhirah which is going to remain forever. Every person he says in the world is in two conditions. Either you're in a good condition, in a bad condition. Life is going easy for you, it's going hard for you. Either financially you're doing well or today you're struggling. You're going to be in either one of the other. 
For in kind of, now he's saying, look, how death can be beneficial for you in either situation, whether you're going for a good time or a bad time. For in kind of, if today, for example, you're going through a difficult time, for if you're going through financial difficulty today, or health difficulty today, or family problems today, remembering death, you know what that's going to do? It's going to lighten your burden. You're going to think, you know what? So, uh, it's going to end anyway. Life is going to end, my problems are going to end, my health problems will end, my financial problems will end, family problems are going to end. It's going to end. So, so look at that, we're talking about the benefits of remembering death. فَإِنَّهُ لَا if you're in a good condition now, you're in a pleasurable condition, life is going well for you. Remembering death will help you not to get deceived by the world. Sometimes when things are going well, we can get deceived. And he's saying, we start depending on the things of the world for our internal happiness, he's saying. We think that, you know, my car is giving me peace. My house, I'm so glad I've got a house, I've got a car, I've got a family, I've got a good job. We start relying on these things for peace. But when you think about death, you realize that, hang on, when death comes, what's this house going to do? What's this car going to do? What are these clothes going to do? What's my money and my job? It's going to be total separation. So death, remembering death is good for all situations, in difficulty and also in happiness as well. Uh, I'm going to end, uh, inshallah, today's discussion. The ulama, the whole world is unanimous. Even the atheists agree. There is no fixed year for death. There is no fixed time for death. No fixed illness. You know we've seen with COVID, we've never heard of it before. There's no fixed illness. Like if you get this illness, you'll die. We don't know. Why has Allah done this? So that a person is always ready. Uhba means to be ready. You're always ready on standby. That we're always ready that death can come at any time. Now I'm going to tell you a story and we'll end on this. There was one of the pious people. Every night, if you've been to a Muslim countries, some of these Muslim countries, you will see that they have a wall around the old city. You see in Jerusalem, you see in uh, Tunisia, in Morocco, in Turkey, you will find they have the wall. This is how they, all, how they used to live. So you see there was a pious man. Every night, he would come and climb on the wall of the city. And he would scream, what would he say? Ar-Rahil, 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 Ar-Rahil means it's time to go, it's time to go. Come on, come on, come on, it's time to go. Ar-Rahil, ar So every night, this old man, he would climb on the wall. Ar-Rahil, Ar-Rahil, Ar-Rahil. So many times and then he'd go. People thought he was mad. People thought this man was mad, he'd lost the plot. So people never used to pay attention. Oh, it's him again. When he passed away, the governor of that particular city, he said, where's the old man? We didn't hear him. Where's, where's Ar-Rahil Chacha? Okay, where's Rahil Chacha gone? We can't hear him today. So, Fasa'ala Anhu, he said, where's he gone today? We didn't hear him today. 
فَقِيلَ إِنَّهُ قَدْ مَاتْ Oh, he passed away last night. فَقَالْ This is the Amir of Medina. This is the point I want to mention. What did he say? مَا زَالَ يَلْهَجُ بِالرَّحِيلِ وَذِكْرَهُ حَتَّى أَنَاخَ بِبَابِهِ الْجَمَالُ فَأَصَابَهُ مُتَيَقِّذًا مُتَشَمِّرًا ذَا أُهْبَةٍ لَمْ تَلِهُ الْآمَالُ What this is trying to say, I'm not going to try and translate that because it's almost impossible for me to do that now. But what I'm going to explain to you is what he's saying. He says that مَذَالَ يَلْحَجُ بِالرَّحِيلِ وَذِكْرَهُ do you know he was saying Ar-Rahil is time to go? I'll give you an example. Do you know at home, especially if you've got kids, you've experienced this. When you need to go somewhere, you need to start announcing 15-20 minutes in advance. We can apply this to the ladies as well, right? When you need to leave, you've gone to someone's house and you need to leave. Don't be for 15-20 minutes before you're, Chalo, 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 we need to go now, let's start going. And what happens? You have to say 15 minutes before, and then 10 minutes before, and then 5 minutes before. And then when it's time to go, what happens? Okay, they've just about got there. Well, what they would do? Just put their shoes on. So this is what he's saying. Mazara yahaju bilrahili wa dikrahu hatta anakha bibabi bibabihi aljamalu. At that time, they would go on the camels. For us, he's putting your shoes on to leave. So he says that this man basically he carried on. He kept saying, "It's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to go." When it was time for him to go, do you know what? The old man had his shoes on. This is what he's trying to say. He already had his shoes on. Do you understand? Yeah? If we prepare for it and we keep thinking about it, at least he'll get us ready. But if we don't mention it at all, death is going to come. He already had his shoes on. He was already talking about it. So when it was time to go, he was ready to go. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Inshallah, we continue with this tomorrow. Now, inshallah, we will do short dhikr and conclude with dua. Allah, 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 Allah,
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم يا ذا الجلال والاكرام يا ذا الجلال والاكرام يا ذا الجلال والاكرام لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين والهكم اله واحد لا اله الا هو الرحمن الرحيم اللهم لا احصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين او كايند لافينج الله O most merciful Allah, O most kind Allah, O most forgiving Allah, O Allah, we are great sinners, O Allah. We grant, we ask you for your forgiveness, O Allah. Grant us your forgiveness, O Allah. O Allah, we thank you for giving us Ramadan. We thank you for allowing us to fast, O Allah. O Allah, you made the fast easy for us, O Allah. We thank you, O Allah. We thank you for all your blessings, O Allah. And we beg you in these blessed moments, O Allah, when we know that du'as are definitely accepted, O Allah. You are listening to us, O Allah. Grant us your forgiveness, O Allah. O Allah, we've made many mistakes, O Allah. Grant us your mawfirah, O Allah. Forgive our parents, O Allah. Forgive our children, O Allah. Forgive the ummah of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Have mercy on the ummah, O Allah. O Allah, allow us to please you, O Allah. Help us to get close to you this Ramadan, O Allah. Help us to give up a life of haram, O Allah. We've done a lot of wrong, O Allah. We are so sorry, O Allah. We've come here to say sorry to you, O Allah. Grant us your forgiveness and mawfirah, O Allah. And grant us a life of taqwa, O Allah. Grant us a life of purity, O Allah. Help us to recite the Quran on a daily basis, O Allah. Make us close to you, O Allah. Grant us the true love of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Help us to stand in qiyam and in taraweeh, O Allah, till the end, O Allah. Accept us, O Allah. Accept us in this month, O Allah. Accept the ummah, O Allah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ask of you many good things. We ask of you the same. He sought your protection from many evils. We seek your protection from the, from, from the same. O Allah, have mercy on the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Alleviate the sufferings of the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Forgive our parents, O oh Allah. Have mercy on our parents, O oh Allah. Elevate the status of our parents, O oh Allah. O Allah, time is going to come when we're going to leave the world, O oh Allah. Make our last day our best day. O oh Allah, make our final action our best action. And grant us death with Iman, with the Kalima, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. Safeguard us and our family members from Jahannam, O oh Allah, and grant us entry into Jannah al-Firdaus, O oh Allah. We are not deserving of your Jannah, O oh Allah, but we beg you, O oh Allah, grant us your Jannah, O oh Allah. Grant us your Jannah, O oh Allah. Grant us your Jannah, O oh Allah. Make your individual duas.